earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. So, are you in your car? At home? Elsewhere on your mobile device? Catching the podcast? Friends, so far we've tackled four installments in our summer series, Touching Others with Our Faith. My hope has been we'll find ways to reach people in our circles of relationships and naturally and creatively touch them with our faith, being Jesus in our everyday lives. And if you've missed any, don't panic. You can catch up via the podcast at faithtalk1360.com. Well, friends, today in part five, we'll look at leaving the solution to Christ. I'd like to share the true story of Dr. Max Reich, a Jewish believer in Jesus, and how divine resources met his and his wife's needs through a loving channel. It all began when he was first married. My wife and I felt called to full-time Christian service. God blessed us and many people found Christ. Our income was meager and we had few possessions, but our hearts were full of joy. One day my wife said, Max, there's nothing for dinner tonight. I didn't reply right away. I was listening to birds singing in the trees. All of a sudden, words from a Christian song flashed through my mind. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So I said, Honey, if God feeds the birds, he'll take care of us. Then there was a knock at the door. A lady introduced herself and said, My husband was a hopeless alcoholic. Most of his paycheck went to getting drunk. The children and I often went hungry. Recently he heard you preach the gospel, and God worked a miracle in his heart. He's a changed man. For the first time in years he brought home a full week's pay, and I bought a good supply of groceries. While cooking, I thought part of this food should go to Brother Ike. I was going to come later, but something told me to come now. So here's half of the chicken I fried and biscuits fresh from the oven. When she left, we rejoiced and burst out singing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Because, friends, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Let me just quickly recap where we've come. First, we looked with Jesus' eyes and encountered the outcast and despised Samaritan woman at the well, whom Jesus went out of his way to touch with his love, striking up a conversation around a drink of water. Second, we listened to the Spirit's voice and saw the Ethiopian eunuch who just happened to be returning from Jerusalem on his chariot and paused to read Isaiah's scroll. 
then see Philip, led by the Holy Spirit, track him down and lead him to Christ. Third, we looked at living out the Savior's call through the Good Samaritan story and how God engineered circumstances to lead a stranger to help a man beaten and left for dead. And last time, part of our lesson focused on the word love in Through Loving Channels. Because, friends, biblical love in this equation makes all the difference in the world. Without biblical love as the driving force behind all we do, there'd be no genuine anticipation of God using us, because God's desire is to love people through us. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.14? For the love of Christ controls us. Recall I said it's not enough just to be channels. We need to be loving channels, and we must want to be God's channels so his love flows through us to others. Friends, last time I wanted to be absolutely certain we didn't overlook this very important word, loving. Now today I want to be absolutely certain we don't overlook another very important word, divine, in ministry takes place when divine resources It's interesting that our ministry mantra doesn't begin with the word human. In other words, human resources meet human needs. You see, friends, our ministry mantra actually challenges us to fight the temptation to think that we are sufficient in ourselves. It flies in the face of human self-sufficiency. It flies in the face of Christian self-sufficiency. Even we Christ followers are not exempt from this temptation. Temptation. If you've been around me long enough, you know that I periodically make this philosophical statement. I believe that from the moment we become born again until the day we see Jesus face to face, the Lord's primary goal in our life is to wean us off of our self-sufficiency. Ouch! Want to hear that again? From the moment we become born again until the day we see Jesus face to face, the Lord's primary goal in our life is to wean us off of self-sufficiency. Now, some of you listening may challenge me on that saying, Oh yeah, Pastor Tom, but what about Romans 8.29? God predestined us to be conformed to his Son. So, isn't his primary goal in our life to conform us to the image of his Son? And I'd simply reply with, that's what I just said. I just used philosophical language. Because the only way we'll be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ is if we take our eyes off ourselves and our self-sufficiency. Friends, we must always show in word and deed that we are absolutely and totally dependent on divine resources. Twice in the scriptures we're reminded of our adequacy or sufficiency coming from God. 2 Corinthians 5.3 Not that we are adequate or sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy or sufficiency is from God. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Well, let's look at Matthew 14.13-21, a well-known passage about the feeding of the 5,000, a passage in all four Gospels. 
when Jesus heard the news about John the Baptist being beheaded, he left there in a boat and went to a solitary place by himself. The people heard about it and left their towns and followed him by land. Jesus got out of the boat, and when he saw the large crowd, his heart was filled with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. That evening his disciples came to him and said, It's already very late, and this is a remote place. Send the people away and let them go to the villages to buy food for themselves. They don't have to leave, answered Jesus. You yourselves give them something to eat. All we have here are five loaves and two fish, they replied. Then bring them here to me, Jesus said. He ordered the people to sit down on the grass. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, and gave thanks to God. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Everyone ate and had enough. Then the disciples took up twelve baskets of the leftovers. The number of men who ate were about five thousand, not counting the women and children. So how many were there really? Possibly between ten and fifteen thousand. Now, friends, with four accounts of the same event, the gospel writers tend to each focus on different details, and we may find important tidbits in others' accounts. For example, in Mark, Jesus directed the crowds to sit in groups of 50 and groups of 100. John adds that the crowds followed Jesus because they saw the signs he performed. Here in Matthew, as in Mark and Luke, we're only told that the disciples were grumbling because it was getting dark and they were in a remote place. So they suggested Jesus send the people away to fend for themselves. But I believe that Jesus' intent here was to get his disciples to see that divine resources can meet human needs. After all, human resources wouldn't meet these human needs, right? Notice how the human lack is brought out in John's account, where Philip said, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And the human mindset continues with Andrew's comment, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. How far will they go among so many? Friends, as Christ followers, we should always operate on the principle that we cannot give out of our own resources alone. They're not sufficient. We have to give out of Christ's resources. Now, some think that we are giving out of our own resources. That's because God has blessed us and given us resources to stockpile. So when pressing needs arise, as Titus 3.14 says, we are ready to help or to touch others. Remember Philippians 3.19? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. A lot of Christians love quoting this verse, but let's observe the context, the four verses before it. Because, friends, this promise was not granted in a vacuum. The Philippian Christ followers sent financial aid to Paul numerous times to support him. He was simply reminding them that God would honor their giving and in turn supply their needs. So the Philippians became loving channels through which resources flowed to meet Paul's needs. 
Sometimes, friends, the divine resources are divine to the one in need, but God's reservoir is sometimes stocked from our own sacrificial giving of our material resources. It's a great day for us Christ followers when we live out our experiences, knowing that at any given moment we could become loving channels to meet others' needs. You see, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. This, I believe, is what motivated the Philippians to help Paul. Look, friends, the enemy of our souls, the devil, loves to feed our minds with the idea that we have to be manufacturers. And as long as we buy into that mentality, we'll rarely act boldly and expect great things from God. Again, because we're depending on ourselves or our own self-sufficiency. But it's very liberating when we realize we're not manufacturers, but distributors of God. God's resources. In John's account, we saw that after Jesus multiplied the bread and fish, they were distributed to the people. And Matthew told us it was the disciples who distributed the food. Even Jesus looked up to heaven and gave thanks for what God through him was going to do. So we see divine resources meeting human needs through loving channels. Author Claude V. King, who co-authored the book Experiencing God, shared an amazing story that occurred in Arkansas when he was there. The pastor of this Arkansas church that hosted the event told King, a young couple recently got saved. One Sunday he asked them, how are you guys doing? They replied, our car got stolen this week and we need advice. The police want us to file charges in case they find the person. But we're new Christians and we don't know what the Bible says to do. What should we do? Well, the pastor shared with them the role of government to maintain order and punish wrongdoers. He suggested they take the police advice, but also pray for the person who stole their car. He also said that this person is likely not a Christian, and God may be orchestrating circumstances through this experience to bring him to Christ. So they began praying. A month later, they got word that their car had been found, and a 15-year-old boy was in custody. This couple went to visit him in jail. They were excited to meet him and said they had been praying for him for a whole month. He probably didn't expect that response. While talking with him, they found that his mother was in the hospital. They decided to visit her and show her God's love. She lost her home due to financial challenges and had nowhere to go when she left the hospital. So this young couple brought her home with them and began meeting her needs. When their church found out, they decided to pitch in and help the mother get into a furnished apartment. She was so overwhelmed by these expressions of love by a couple for whom her son stole their car that she received Christ. She then shared Christ with her son and he got saved. While all this was happening, her ex-husband got out of prison. He came home looking for his family because he had become a Christian in prison and was taking a Bible correspondence course. He hoped to reconcile with his family. 
Now, be honest, friends. Doesn't this sound like circumstances only God could engineer? Only he could engineer circumstances in such a way that all these events happened at just the right time. It all began with a couple who decided to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives and become loving channels to distribute divine resources. Now, friends, just so that none of us think that I've been artificially superimposing our template over these various accounts in the Bible I've been sharing, you know, our ministry mantra, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God, I'd like to recall a verse we can probably recite from memory. John 3.16. Go ahead, say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, do you see it? This beloved verse has embedded in it our ministry mantra. Divine resources refer to God himself offering eternal life, something no human could do. Psalm 49, 7 and 8 make this amazing declaration. No one can redeem the life of another or give God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. Meet human needs refers to the human race's need for eternal life or salvation. Through loving channels, the greatest loving channel that ever lived in eternity, as well as in human history, is none other than Jesus. In John 10, the chapter on Jesus being the good shepherd, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Friends, I can just imagine a conversation in eternity past between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all discussing the Father's plan of salvation for the human race. Jesus says, I volunteer to be the loving channel to bring this plan to fruition. So, Father, send me kind of reminded me of Isaiah's commission in Isaiah 6. In verse 8 it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. In Ephesians 3, 7, Paul states, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here, friends, and put our template, our ministry mantra, if you will, over this statement. Of this gospel I was made a loving channel according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Didn't Paul become a loving channel to bring the divine resources of the gospel to the first century Jews and Gentiles who needed salvation? Heck yeah! And am I not encouraging and exhorting us to volunteer and willingly become loving channels to bring God's plan to fruition through people in each of our circles of relationships? Heck yeah! Friends, isn't this what the engineer's prayer is all about? Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so you can love them through me. Isn't this prayer telling the Lord, here I am, send me. 
Isn't it like waking up each morning and asking God, so what or who is my mission parameter today? Does this make you less likely or less courageous to pray this prayer and see what God does? See what the Holy Spirit engineers? I hope not, friends. Let's take a brief look at how Paul and Barnabas saw their mission parameters when they were sent out by the Holy Spirit in Acts 13. Remember, Paul was converted back in Acts 9. It was there that the resurrected Jesus met Saul on the Damascus Road and struck him with a lightning bolt and blinded him. That stopped him dead in his tracks. This was a pretty dramatic example of leaving the solution to Christ, right? Then a loving channel named Ananias stepped in and volunteered to meet human needs by visiting Saul and praying over him so God could take the scales off his eyes. During that event, God said to Ananias, I have chosen Saul to serve me, make my name known to Gentiles, kings, and the people of Israel. So, friends, let's fast forward to Acts 13 and watch the Holy Spirit in action. Here the Holy Spirit gives Saul and Barmas their marching orders. In the church at Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, Menean who had been brought up with the governor Herod, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work that I have called them. Now listen how the story goes on. Having been sent by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul went to Seleucia and sailed from there to the island of Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues. Notice, friends, that Barnabas and Saul shared their message wherever people were. For them, the best place to begin was in the local synagogues. So how about you? Where might the best places be for you to go where people are? The mall? A coffee shop? A sporting event? A recreational facility? Gym? The supermarket? Where might be the most natural places where you can become a loving channel? Now, I have to throw a caveat in here, friends. If you don't venture out as a loving and willing channel because you love the world as God loves the world, then don't go. My suggestion is get on your knees and ask God to burden you for the souls of the lost. Burden your soul for the harvest. Tell God you're willing to be a worker in his harvest. Friends, what characterized Jesus above and beyond all that he did among the people was his compassion for them. Remember Matthew 9:36, when Jesus saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can you develop and manifest those qualities with God's help? the Holy Spirit's help? Can you look at people the way Jesus looked at them, harassed and helpless and needing someone to guide them? Friends, leaving the solution to Christ, in essence, means letting the Holy Spirit take over, take charge, suggest your decisions for the day. Poet Edgar A. Guest puts the cherry on the whipped cream with this rhyme. Be a friend. You don't need money. Just a disposition sunny. Just the wish to help another get along some way or other. Just a kindly hand extended out to one who's unbefriended. Just the will to give or lend. This will make you someone's friend. 
Be a friend, the pay is bigger, though not written by a figure, than is earned by people clever in what's merely self-endeavor. You'll have a friend instead of neighbors for the profits of your labors. You'll be rich in the end than a prince if you're a friend. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. My hope is that our summer series is helping us to look with Jesus' eyes, listen to the Spirit's voice, live out the Savior's call, love others with the love of the Lord, and ultimately leave the solution to Christ. Continue to faithfully pray for the people around you that need Jesus so they can see Jesus in you and seek the Holy Spirit for ways you can naturally and creatively touch others with your faith. Also, remember the engineer's prayer. Are you courageous enough to pray it yet and see what God does? Friends, today's broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. I'd love to hear how God is leading you to touch others with your faith. Please also consider joining the support team. I'll provide all the details. Thanks to you whose support is keeping this program on the air. Please remember that the podcasts are freely available at faithtalk1360.com. Forward this link to those of you who think we'll be fed from these teachings. Thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. 